Before I share uh, God's message this uh, afternoon, there's so many things in my heart I, I wish I had time to sort of talk a little bit about. And especially BBS was amazing this whole week. I'm a, I'm a grandpa. And even in the church, I feel like I'm a grandpa. My job is to enjoy the kids, play with the kids. You know, I don't do all the diaper changing or not. I just play with the kids. I give them candies. I bother them a little bit. You know, I give them wet release and whatnot. Anyway, so I, I love those kids. And, and this point, it was amazing to me. Ports, you know, you always, for Hope Church Summer is a month of mission. We focus on sharing the gospel to nations, also reaching the youth and children. This week was you children, really. And it's just so good to see our church get involved in this thing beyond our normal. It is not just for our own kids. And as we love our own kids, our desires, all the children get to experience the love and grace of God. They meet God and find the love of God. And I'm so thankful that we have a wonderful people who, are, who have worked hard, make things work. And I'm very grateful for Ginny and Veronica and many others. I'm so grateful, so thankful. We didn't really get to 150 as I thought, but we did go beyond 120. So 125 is good. Better than 120, okay, great. Number is not the issue, but it was so good to see. I could just see the waterfall right here. Flow. If you were here at all, it's a waterfall flowing down. I've been telling you, can you make it red? It's a pink or something. Not just green color, pastor made favorite color, but what about pink or red or something? And I think the best thing they did was a purple, I think. Somewhere between blue and red and purple or something. It was okay, good enough. Anyhow, and other than that, I think there are other things in my heart. And the thing that really stirred me up was last night, I was watching my, one of my favorite pastors. And this pastor is somebody, somebody I've been mentioning about for the last couple of months, I think. The one I personally met about, about three months ago. Somebody I've been following for 20 years, a pastor in Korea who has lung cancer going through chemotherapy. In the midst of going through all that in, in that chemotherapy, he felt God was calling him in the midst of his uh, chemotherapy to encourage the people who are going through you know, the cancer, cancer patients. And actually, he rallied people. People are donating money and all the things they, they have been doing monthly a, a between his chemo, they have been doing monthly uh, a gathering for CMP, Comfort My People conferences. Everything paid for, and yet people come, and the, uh, uh, the cancer patients and the family members are able to come. They, every, everything is provided, the transportation and all those so that they can be ministered to loved ones. I was watching him actually speak yesterday, and he... I love that guy, but he's on, sitting on a chair because he just got up his second, second round of chemo. And he was talking about how it was difficult for me, couldn't really eat for 10 days because it felt so nauseating inside or not. And, and he felt like God wanted him to go through these things so that he could really understand the struggles people go through, get really encouraged. The thing that really disturbed me was not only he was doing that, but you know, he was talking about how he was, God, he was talk, through God, God was saying, through all circumstances, whether God heals us or not, heals us or not, we can live as a child of God, as sons and daughters of God, 
with authority and power. God, if God hears you, great. You give glory to God. If God doesn't hear you here now, you still have hope in God. You still praise and honor God. His message was uh, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in all things give thanks. What a wonderful message. I loved it. Our God is great. Amen. Today I'm, I'm continuing on the uh, series of messages called Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. And the title today is very Presbyterian, Grace Alone. I don't think I ever use that title, but I like it. Uh, uh, we've been going through um, probably almost a year now and, 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 and intermittently messages from uh, messages from Book of Acts. Book of Acts is really a record of the early church, how God moved the people of God to share the gospel at the ends of the earth. I felt it is perfectly fitting for us. And today's text is from uh, Acts chapter 15, 1 through 11. Actually, I want to cover a whole chapter, but I want to focus on just 11 verses. God is good? Do you think I can finish in 30 minutes? Thank you for believing in me. All of you, I don't know about you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I know because you want to get out early. All right. Great. Uh, uh, let me remind us, the whole book of Acts, really the, uh, uh, the summary of the whole book of Acts is in this verse. Acts uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 8. It says, Jesus tells the disciples before he ascends back to the heaven, he tells them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And you'll find in the book of Acts how Spirit of God comes upon people of God and, and people becomes, come saved, become people of God. And be, they begin to become a witness of Christ declaring his good gospel all over the region, Jerusalem, to their neighbors, to the ends of the earth. That's what's happening right now. We are middle of, right in the middle, uh, right in the middle of the God, book of Acts, chapter 15 today. Verse 1 through 11, what I'm focusing on. Um, before I begin, uh, let me say this thing. A uh, couple of things. Sometimes we believe, I mean, I've been saying this many times, sometimes we think, if you're really in the will of God, just like early church, if you're really in the will of God, be led by the Spirit of God, things will be easy. Sometimes we think in the early church because the Spirit of God is moving powerfully, the church is really loving one another, they have no problem. That's not true. Early church, even filled with the Spirit, even though God was moving powerfully, they had their issues. There's no perfect church in the world. Never was, never will be. Until Jesus Christ returns, there'll be no perfect church. The, the church closest to perfect is right here, though. Anyway, and I, I know you are smiling because you agree with me, right? Okay. That's one. Second thing is that uh, um, there are times, there are times in life where we do need to stand and fight for something that we believe in. There are certain things that we have to, we cannot negotiate. Uh, um, one, of, one, of the, one of the theologians, uh, 
was quoted as saying this in midst of the Reformation, and nobody knows who is from. Some people uh, refer to Augustine in fourth century, but some to 15th century uh, reformer. And it says, in essential things, unity. In non-essential things, liberty. But in all things, charity. And let me say it again. In essential things, unity. In non-essential things, liberty. But in all things, charity. It is important. There are things that we cannot negotiate. We, have, we need to have unity on. And there are things that where it is, it is a not, a, a not essential thing where we need to have liberty and diversity. And, and, there, and also, but in all things must be done in love. This is important. And there are, there are times we need to stand and fight. Stand and, and fight. Fight doesn't mean this kind of fight, meaning fight meaning stamp what is true, what is right in a loving way. It's very important. Today, I'm looking at today's chapter, passage, Acts chapter 15, because I, I, I bet you have read Acts 15 more than once. And often we do not know how significant this chapter is. This chapter is so significant to the point at least half of the New Testament letters are, is somewhere related to the issue they're talking about here. It says, but some men came down from Judea even, uh, and were teaching the brothers. Yeah, I'm talking about, you know, in Antioch and Pisidia, Antioch where Paul and Barnabas was at. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. I want you to think about, just took a couple phrases, unless you are doing this. It said, you cannot be saved. It is a fighting words. Unless you do this, you cannot be saved. And to a Gentile church, there's some people from the main church, the mother church in Jerusalem, comes and telling people, Unless you are circumcised in the way of Moses, you cannot be saved. There's serious in, enough issues. Sometimes we do not know what was important and serious enough. We don't know when to fight. But this is a serious matter enough where verse 2 it says, and, and after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, meaning great dissension, and, and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Let me see if I, I made some notes here. On my, not on the pop, in my, let me see. I'm sure, sorry. Um, some version says the Paul vehemently argued and, and, and some will say they had a serious argument and debate to the point Paul and Barnabas fought with these people, not this. They argued and debated seriously enough. Many people believe this is when Apostle Paul wrote a Galatian letter to the churches in that area. So, so serious enough. This is so serious according to Paul, to Paul Apostle Paul to the center of what we believe in who God is and all that, and they 
had a huge fight. There are times in life, even in the church, even loving God, there are certain issues are so important, crucial to the core of who we are as sons and daughters of God that we cannot negotiate. Many things are not. Most things are not, but some are important enough to fight for. Now, I remember when I was, when I was younger, we used to fight about stupid things. Stupid things. Whether you can wear shorts to church or not. I'm not talking, I'm not looking at Pastor Elder, Elder, Elder Richard. Okay, I'm not looking at him. Whether you can wear, you know, whether you can wear, and it's the church. I used to be, my wife grew up in a church where if you are a woman, deacon praying, if you show any part of your shoulder, you don't pray. I'm in a church where, you know, and you come to church, your shoulder shows up, you don't worship. You don't, you don't pray. You don't. I mean, let alone anything else. So, now nah, I came from that kind of place. I remember when I began to church, go to church in high school days, people yell at me if, uh, if I go and go to the restaurant to eat on Sunday. How do you, you have to keep Sabbath holy. How can you go and buy food? If you go play sports, they will yell at you. Sunday's a day of rest. What are you doing? Uh, and I didn't know any, any better. And, you know, and I come to church Sunday evening service, my shirt totally wet. Crimping with the shorts and the sitting in the back in service, and they were all giving me an eye. And we were fighting about stupid things, but certain things we cannot negotiate. This is what Apostle Paul thought. Let me go on. So Paul and Barnabas and some others are sent from Antioch Church, the Gentile Church, to the Mother Church in Jerusalem to talk with the leaders to make sure that they're on the right place. Not only that, Apostle Paul had a revelation from God that, that Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body of Christ. Not just what he thinks he knows. He had a prophetic encounter with God, God saying, this is the right. And he heard from God. He's now going to go and, and talk with the leaders. Something, something is important here. Sometimes... I mean, but, but just, even though he had those revelations you know, and, and, and prophet encounter with God, he didn't tell those guys when he was arguing, God told me this, you better, sh-. no, he didn't know that he was really having a genuine conversation and had arguments to talk about the gospel. Often, sometimes we are, we are not nice. We are not really wise how we go about presenting our case because, because those people came down and saying you need to be circumcised to, to, to be saved. They were not trying to destroy the church. They were Jewish Christians. They grew up as Jews in, in, in Jerusalem. For them to love God is you love God by obeying the law. And when they, when, when Jesus, they met Jesus, how Jesus fulfillment of the old, the promises of the Old Testament, everything that they knew about God made sense. For them, for Gentiles to really know God, you need to know the Bible, you need to know the Old Testament, you need to know the law. They really believed it. They were not trying to hurt people, they are just saying, you to really know, you need to know the Old Testament, the Moses, the laws, and all those things. It makes sense. But in Paul, in his heart of understanding, when he looked at it, he was saying, when Paul looked at it, they, they didn't mean it evil. He knew the issue was deeper than that. 
You should still put in there. For you, it makes sense to you. But to all the Gentiles, you're saying something different. You're missing the heart of the issue. Your concern is okay. But you're missing the most important thing. Important enough to have to fight about this. And, you know, and, and look at verse 3. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through the Phoenician Samaria. As they're going through all the places, they stop and they tell people about what God has done, how Gentiles are coming to know Jesus Christ. And everybody rejoicing what God is doing. Let me move on. And verse 4, when they came to Jerusalem, so this is the center main church, okay, mother church. They come and they were welcomed by the church. And the apostles and elders, and they were, they declared all that God had done with them. So comes and tells them what God has been doing. And they brought the issues. So they were welcomed by the church. The leaders were not. But if you look at the next verse, but some believers, these are believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees, rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them. And to order them to keep the law of Moses. These are believers who have Jewish background. There was, and, and, and they, when they heard what Paul was doing, they come and say, you know, you're wrong. You're not right. They, you need to teach Gentiles to be circumcised, follow the law, understand the law, do the things, so that they can really know God and be saved. Now, as you look at a couple of things, it is the, some of the fighting words in there is, it is necessary in order them to do something. So now the issue really is what's, what the, what, uh, sorry. This thing is, sorry, I feel like I'm choked, I'm choked by this line here. God is good? Okay, all right. So, and, and, no. There's so much here, I don't know how, I don't, I, I'm see if I can put everything here. See, there are issues, issues, issues they saw in the Antioch church. And these people coming teaching the wrong thing. Paul and the leadership kind of said, you know what, you guys are wrong. We don't care what you say, we're going to do our thing. No, they took time to pray and sent the leadership to the Jerusalem church. To talk to them, make sure that what we are doing is correct. They follow the right steps, orders. And so they came, and now they come, and they hear people are, you know, they begin to have meetings, and the people who are objecting to their understanding of gospel get to explain things. Look at what it says. And the apostles and elders were gathered together to consider this matter. The whole church leadership got together together to hear this issue. They had many, many meetings. They heard from everybody, talked to everybody. Discuss with all the things. And see, there, even when it's, things are impo as important, when things are important, you need to take things at the right step. Not only things have to be right, you have to take the right way, right steps. Right order of doing things. Honorable way. Point is that I'm right, get away, you're wrong. Not that. You follow the right ways. Let me step here and say something. Oh. I, I may take just a couple minutes here. Some of you probably, probably already heard uh, through Grapevine or through others as well that four of our leaders in our church, Elder Richard and Elder, G uh, Elder Ginny and their family, uh, will be sent, uh, they will be 
uh, sent off of our church to uh, work with a church, nearby local church. What are, one of the, some of the things, you, what, you may have heard some of that, you, know, you, uh, you, you may be feeling not happy, just like me, I'm not happy. I wasn't happy about all that. But one of the things you do not know is the steps Elder Richard and Jenny took for the last three months. They took time. They, they, we prayed about this. We feel like God is leading us to, in this thing. We haven't made a decision yet. We want our leadership to look at this. Can you pray about it? Can you talk about this thing together? And, you know, and if, if your leadership doesn't think it's right, you know, and you, we, we, we will go back and listen to God again. So we had time about the last two months to back and forth praying about this. Not just saying, you know, God told us to this. We're going to go this anyway. Walk away. I don't care what you say. We're going to do what God say. They took time and said, you know what? We're going to do the right way, honorable way. We're going to come to leadership and say, this is what we are feeling God is leading. We know that God not only speaks to us, he speaks to everybody in the church as well. If God has a plan for us to go somewhere to help another church, that God must have a plan for our church as well. We can our leadership pray about it. We prayed about it. We prayed a good month or so. We talked about it. We all that. You know, and, you know, and they took the honorable steps and you know, the right step, just as opposed to Paul and others. The, this, is, this is important issue to the point it touches the core of the gospel. Therefore, they took time, the right channel, to go to the leadership and, and the Peter and all the other main church and say, What's, what do you think? They, they, and they took time to hear everybody out. And, and what not, and they discussed and prayed and sought God together. This is how church and people of God should move. We don't just say, I feel like God wants me to do this, and I don't care what you say, I'm going to do whatever. No. You begin to hear God together as a community because you're a family. Amen? And I tell you, I have three daughters, all beautiful and all good worshipers, but I tell you, some, some, something in me, I want all my daughters to save in me forever. But I do know that I cannot do that. I need to get them married and leave home. Right? You know what I mean? I'm torn. I'm torn. I mean, and it's a family. I love my kids. I want them to grow up and stay with me. But I know they grow up, they need to do their thing. Because it's not, a, it's not an organization. It's a family. Family functions differently. Amen. I don't think I'm going to finish this message. I may come back to it. But let me, I need to share something important. Uh, uh, I think a number of years ago, I, I'm, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to be a little bit uh, testimonial here right now. Over the years, uh, probably my, uh, since 1989, I, 1989, when I graduated from seminary at Princeton, I started my full-time ministry. For the next 10 years, was amazing and also very painful time. I started my ministry in Maryland for three years. After three years, I, we felt like God was leading us to go to Hawaii, my wife's church, to help out of the churches that are having problem. God was doing amazing thing at my, our church, Hope FKPC, before, which is a, before what Hope Church was. God was doing amazing things. But I felt like God wanted us to go. We, my wife and I fasted for 30 days. We talked to all the elders. Every elder said to not go because, you know, this is no good. Except one elder said, if God wants you to go, even if it's difficult, shouldn't you go? Of course I need to go if it's, even if it's difficult. 
And we did go, and we had a difficult six years, difficult six years. And in the midst of all that, I went and looked back, and the reason it was difficult was because even in Maryland when I was doing ministry here, the difficulty I had was a ministry, very well-known ministry in this area, campus ministry, they were very good, but they had some issues that I had issues with. Issue was their style of leadership. Leadership was, you know, you need to do what we tell you to do. Very authoritarian leadership. In those six years when I went to Hawaii and two years in Philadelphia, I went through the same struggle with church and leadership that said, you know, you need to do what I tell you, and you're not going to breathe if we tell you not to breathe. That kind of church. I went through those six most difficult years in life. And I was, what I was, I was learning and fighting to figure out what church shouldn't be. I saw many leaders who thought church, saw church as an organization. You can get rid of anybody if they want, if it's good for the organization. They act like an organization so they can build a big church or health, whatever it might be. They, they would sacrifice people for the sake of the organization. That didn't sound right for me. Church is a family of God. We care for each person in the church. We don't sacrifice one for the sake of others. No. One is important as well as math. Everybody is important. So we, you know, I did, I disagreed. I had 10 years of struggle, the leadership issues. And in those 10 years of difficulty, I, I had my own philosophy of ministry settled. Church is a family. That people matter. Every single person matters to God. But we don't have to be a huge church, but we will be a family, the biblically functioning community that we will be. Every person matters, and we will love people as God wants us to love. And that's something that I learned over the, as, over the years. And I came to understanding that healthy biblical churches where a church is built by the people of God. It's not run by one or two leaders. No, it's run, built by the people of God together because we are people of God. We are family. Family build a home together. Amen? It's not an organization where a good, powerful leader runs everything by himself and do whatever he wants and cut out anybody they want. And, lead, and not that. Family is where we, we, we grow together as family. We build together. It might not be as fast or big, but it will be a healthy community that knows how to love one another. That's the church I believe God wanted us to build with Nehemiah. That's what I've been running for the last 18, 19 years. And what, the thing is that what, the things I learned was troubles does not define who I am. But troubles often clarify who I am. As you know what, what I'm saying? Trouble doesn't define me who I am, but trouble sort of shows who I really are. It means how I respond. In those troubles, I learned what it means to be a church, what it means to, for a church to be a church that really biblical church that loves God and honors God and do God's work. I'm learning that in this, did I do things right? No, probably not. Made a lot of mistakes. Did I do everything right, honorable? Probably not. But as I looked at Ginny and Richard, how they are trying to hear the voice of God, trying to do the right steps, I said, this is good. As I looked into this passage, as to this passage about this, this church and how Apostle Paul and Barnabas goes to the Jerusalem, you know, by, to, to, the, to the church in Jerusalem, they are not really apostles. 
apostles are Peter and James and all those. They, you are just nobody. Oh, you know, you, you, not a nobody, but you know, you know, they are just small town over there guy. They come, they come and say, this is the issue we have. Can, can we talk about this? And the whole church leadership took time to humbly listen and pray to a discern God together. Amen? God is good. And the things have to be done rightly, right way, so that God is honored in all this way. Okay. I don't think I'm going to finish. I'm going to just go to a few more verses. Okay, let me move on. God is good. I'm learning about things. I don't, I don't, think, I'm a, I don't think I'm a good, good I'm a, I don't think I'm a good father. You know, and I, I get, you know, when anybody in the church leaves, I, I take it so personally, it hurts me. It's a family. I don't, want, I don't want Danielle to go, even though it's good for her. It's a good school, but not. But, you know, some of me, you know, I'd rather stay, she can stay here, maybe go Johns Hopkins. You know, you know what I mean? But, as a, but yet... As a, a, a spiritually father, I want you to do what well. I want you to do what God wants you to do. But there is a both side. I want you to stay here, but I will let you go. I, I want you to go. Both happens because you have family. Organization doesn't think that way. Organization only thinks, is it good for the organization? Family thinks not only about the family, it's about how, all about how you're doing before God. And I'm so grateful in the last three or four weeks, we saw one of our elders, Sue, becoming ordained you know, and being sent up. He's now a mega church, 2,000 member church, you know, and, and doing all kind of things, whatnot. And I, 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 want, I want him to see it our church too. Don't go, don't go. And anyway, if God wants you to go for your future, good, for the kingdom of God, of course you should go. I don't know if I'm a good, good father, but even when my oldest daughter, Anna, I prayed when, before she was born that she would be a missionary. When she wanted to be, go as a missionary, I didn't want her to go. Even I prayed all her life that she would be a missionary because I know being a missionary is not always easy. She will not be rich. She will be always living on people's support and whatnot. It will be difficult. So I resisted until God says, let her go. You know what I mean? And there's part of the father's heart here. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm not a good dad. You know, and so every time anybody come and want to marry my daughter, you, you, I'll beat you up, you, you know, you, you, you. Anyway, you better be good to my daughter, I'll beat you up, man. Okay. Anyhow, me, I'm, what I'm getting at is, it's just a little glimpse of the family of God. You see, God said when you come into Christ, we become sons and daughters of God. We become part of the household, a family, not an organization. God is bringing, see, God is building home in our midst. Amen? Yes, we hear the voice of God. We discern what God is doing, but we, we see in the context of a community because I'm not the only one who hears. The whole church is supposed to hear the voice of God. We share it together, see, is this right? Even a great prophetic people can be wrong. They can be wrong. Even Bob can be wrong. And anyway, what I'm getting at is important we do it as a family of God. 
See, I want you to hear what Peter goes on. She, they had many meetings, talk about it in the midst of all that. Peter, Apostle Peter gets up. After there, after, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days, some years ago, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the, the word of the gospel and believe. He's reminding, remember what happened about 10 years ago, how God used me. God gave me a vision about the, 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 the animals coming down from heaven on the sheet and how God gave those visions three times and with, with letting me know. And he ended up going to the Roman centurion's, uh, Cornelius' house. And these people are waiting for him to come. When he preached the gospel in the middle of preaching, Holy Spirit falls upon them. They all be, become believers. Remember, you remember God chose me, chose me in, to do this. Look at what it says. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. At the time, Holy God, God gave Holy Spirit to all the Gentiles, just as he did it to us. And he made no distinction between us and them. God didn't make this distinction between the Jews and Gentiles. No. Having cleansed their hearts by what? By faith. Not by law. By faith. See, a couple, Paul is, Peter is reminding them, remember, when they believe, Gentiles believe, God gave the Holy Spirit, just like everybody, just like he did to us. Same Holy Spirit God gave. Not only that, God didn't make any distinction. God was saying, you are Jews and they are Gentiles. God was not dividing them. No, you are. We both were cleansed by faith in Christ Jesus. And he goes, and as he goes on to say something amazing. Look at this. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers or nor we have been able to hear, bear. He's saying, now, what, I, what you're trying to do is not right. Why? Because God accepted them just by believing, by faith. Why are you putting on them the yoke we, we couldn't help, handle? Why do you want to put them on those, them? We are testing God. We are really going against God. That's what he says. And verse 11, amazing verse. But, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Look at what it says. Look at what it says. We will be, we will be saved. How? Through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just as they will. Just as we are, they will, same way, they and us, both, we will be saved by grace of our Lord Jesus. Not by doing things, not by religious activities, not by, you know, the, obeying the law, no. Is simply by grace and nothing else. You see, the Jewish Christians are saying, for Gentiles to really become a Christian, they could not be saved. They need to become a Jew first so they, and then be saved. No. Not grace plus Judaism, not grace plus law. No. Grace alone. By faith alone. This is important. Now, Grace alone is important for us. We are saved by grace, meaning we didn't do anything to deserve it. 
I'm almost done. I'm, I'm going to have a praise team come soon. So I'm, I'm not going anymore with the PowerPoints. Let me talk to you a little bit. I, I need to talk to you a little bit. I'm, let me walk on a little bit. I need to get my small steps on my Fitbit, okay? Anyway, okay, listen. One of the biggest debates that's raging now in our generation is gender issues. Gender issues. And I think the, what, what, we get, what we get confused is the P and, 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 and issue, issue now, I need, to be, I need to be very careful how I say this. We are not saying if you are homosexual, you need to become, a, become heterosexual to be saved. No. Let me, see, let me say it again. Am I saying making clear? Let's, let, me, let me say it again, okay? Let me see if you guys are smarter here, okay? Maybe you are smarter here. We are not saying, some, sometimes we, some Christians want to say, you, if you're homosexual, you need to become heterosexual and believe in Jesus Christ be saved. That's not the gospel. You are saved by faith, by grace, by, faith, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. You don't have to be a heterosexual to, to be saved, no. That's the secondary issue. Real issue, you come, you come to God through faith and grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. Am I saying homosexual is okay? No, I'm not saying that. That's not, that's not, that's not really the issue of salvation. You, just grace alone, by faith alone. Amen? Amen. I think that's better than this side, okay? <laughs> this is important because I think sometimes we Christians, we struggle with this. We, we muddle the gospel. Gospel is that you have, you have to be a heterosexual to be saved. No. Gospel is you are, saved, you, you are saved when you realize that you need Savior who needs Savior to forgive all your sins. When you repent and turn to Christ by faith, you are saved by faith grace. You don't have to be certainly certain amount of goodness before you believe. No, you are saved by grace simply that. After the how you, how you live your life, God will help you. You come in just like everybody else by faith and alone. Grace alone. Amen? Amen. Sometimes we, sometimes we Christians feel like we have to say, you need to repent. We all need to repent to believe in Christ. Right? We all need to. It doesn't mean, you, it doesn't mean you have to become a heterosexual to be a Christian. No. You come to know Christ Believe in Christ as a Lord and Savior. And God, how God deals with their heart is God and their issue, not my issue. All I want to make sure is that they come to know God and meet God who is holy, God who is good. Amen? This is important because as a, we are talking about grace alone issue here. I'm so excited. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm screaming. That's me. I'm sorry. I'm screaming. I think she sometimes have a little earplug because I scream too much. Okay, this is an important issue. This is why Apostle Paul fought this all the time. This was the issue. You see, we, we say we believe people should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? But we are saved by what? By grace through faith. Whether you are baptized with the Holy Spirit by immersion or not is not the, not the, important, not, not the main issue. Main issue is we come to know Christ by faith and grace alone. Amen? These things we fight for. Other things, who cares if you are, you are wearing green? I still love you. 
I love you more if you wear red. Sometimes we fight wrong battles. But, but when it comes to important issues, Apostle Paul and, and Barnabas you know, took the right step to, to enter the leadership. What do you think? What do you see? And they debated, talked together, and God, by His grace, had the first Gentile convert made through Peter's preaching, not by Paul's preaching. Peter, one of their own, preached the gospel to Gentiles to be saved by faith. They didn't do anything yet, but they got filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, and, and Peter began to say, began to affirm this thing. Now, I don't have time, you know, and you'll find right after this, the, the main leader at the church at the time was James, the, the brother of Jesus. James just was the, the, the leader of the church, not Peter at the time. And James makes the final judgment. And so agrees with Peter, saying that Peter is right. And what he said. And he also it says, God has God was choosing from Gentiles people of his own. There's prophets in Old Testament, God was doing that in him. So he makes a simple judgment. Let me, let me actually mention a few. So that let me move down quickly. And it says, uh, and here, this is what uh, James says after you know, uh, making final uh, judgment here. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. He's not telling them, he's not saying, let's make them follow this rule. No, this is not a, more than a rule. He's saying, because in the church there will be Gen Jewish believers and Gentile believers, Jewish believers will not eat certain food. If you're going to be in a church together, if the Gentile believers are eating the meat with blood on it, which Jewish people cannot, their Jewish Christians will not, you can have a fellowship. That, that final thing is really, you, love, you live in charity. You care for each other as the Gentiles. You don't, need, you, don't need to, you don't need to have all the burden of following the law. You're saved by grace, but you live and love one another. You upset certain things for the sake of your brother. Because your brothers, you know, brothers, sisters, in, you know, and believers, and Jewish believers, they cannot do certain things. When you have a fellowship, okay, put it this way. Someone, you say, let's say, I don't know why, but some people are vegans. I do not know why. <laughs> they, they don't know how wonderful meat is. You know, but if I, if I love you, all of you as my brother and sister, when you're having fellowship, I cannot just have meat if I have a vegan in a mess. You know what I mean? Therefore, he's saying, if you have a vegan brother and sister near you, have some dish made of vegetables only. That's what he's saying. You live in love, charity. Because you love God, you... Do certain things so that you can make room for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Okay, okay I'll eat vegetarian things too, okay? <laughs> for your sake, man. Okay, because my wife wanted me to eat some of those. Okay. Now, you see, the gospel is, see, all this is simply this. Apostle Paul wanted all people, the Gentiles, come to know God. And the gospel does not bring any kind of limitation and let them be free to come to know God. 
Why don't the praise team come? Let me, I'm going to end with one story. Praise team come. Please get ready. In my life, in last, uh, since 19, last 30 years of ministry, I, I took two major trips in my life that redefined my life. 1989, when I came to Hope Church first at uh, Hope Church, church which is a previous Hope Church first time, right after I came in, within a month, I went out to, I went on a six-week trip, trip across, ministry trip across the country, USA. Me and a couple of my friends drove from New York all the way down to LA, came back visiting 18 states, preached in 18 states, and met with a lot of, what, what, the reason we went out was we were trying to see the state of Korean American youth. I remember the story, I remember when I went to Reno, a beautiful city. And, and this was an interesting city. And, and as, as a small Korean, Korean community, and we were in just uh, one church, that some of the elders working at, as, uh, you know, the, what do you call the dealers in the casinos. I remember, I think Friday night, you know, we had a meeting. Saturday night, we were going to have a meeting. Friday night, after the meeting, Saturday, we went to Lake Tahoe to spend time with the kids. On the way up with the church bus, I was sitting with the one kid and I asked, I asked them on the way, and are you saved? The boy said, I want to. And nobody ever told us how. This is a youth group. This youth group, about 30 kids, had seven-year-old, seven-year-old Korean lady because she spoke some English. She married a, a, a non-Korean person. Because she could some English, they didn't ask whether she's a good Christian or not. They asked for the youth group. And the youth group, little kids said, I don't, I don't want to be said, nobody ever told us how. I remember that night after the Reno, Delecta uh, came down and I preached. And all the kids ran up to be saved. And, to, and then even the one of the, I saw one of the one elder in the meeting coming up. I thought he was coming to pray for the kids. He was kneeling and praying for himself. I don't know whether he was getting saved or I don't know what was going on. But that time I saw all across the country a lot of small churches where they have no leader who talk and she shares the gospel with them. Broke my heart. And you know, and when I came back to KPC in a, a Hope in 19, year 2000, after I've been here one, one month, I went out to mission, my first mission trip to India. All over India, went out and saw what God was doing there. Wrecked my life. The people not being able to hear the gospel. Apostle Paul's heart was moved because he knew the love of God. He knew he, God, he knew God's love for all these people. But the Jews or Gentiles, that they need to know, meet God and be saved from the power of sin in their life. And he wanted them to come to know God. I don't, he didn't want anything hindering them to hear the gospel. You see, that's what moved the heart of Paul. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to do what? To be His witnesses. Tell all the people God's grace and mercy. That's what Holy Spirit does. More than all these ministries, does all great. But the thing is, the God will move your heart to love your neighbor, to share the gospel with those people, for they need to meet God. Amen? This is what this grace is about. Grace is really about saying God loves all people. 
God is inviting all people to come and meet God and find life in Christ Jesus, find hope and salvation in Christ Jesus. That's what the gospel is about. Amen. We are called to be those kind of people, to love our neighbors. This is why we are doing the baptism revival. We can have them now. Why? I tell you, for our, we are putting a lot of money, budget into it. Each time it's costing about $10,000 to run to this thing. Why? Because we want even just one person coming and meeting God and being healed, being touched by Jesus Christ is worth enough. And, and, and that we want you and all of us have a chance to invite our neighbors, our family, friends to come and meet God, encounter God. And God will meet us here. God will heal people. God will speak to people. People come to know Christ here. That's what the revival is about. Amen. Christ is our hope. He is our strength. He is our joy. God is good. Let's all stand. Father, we love you. We love you. How you love us, God. How you gave your son, Jesus Christ, to come, even die on the cross, to forgive us all our sins and set us free from the bondage and power of sin and to give us life and hope, God. Not only life and hope in this world, but also in eternity to come. We thank you for your grace, God. We didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, but you loved us, we give you glory, God. But I ask today, if you stand up and fight, for the gospel, the faith alone, grace alone, we find life that is in you. We want to see all people here and be invited into the love of Christ. We honor and we give you glory, God, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.